0: On this episode of Mistake by the Take, Jake and Dylan look at the Guardians pitching staff as well as the offense. A lot more pluses on the pitching staff. They look at the ups and downs as well as the newcomers from AAA and how they're having their impact. On the offensive side, it's been a struggle and Jake and Dylan dissect it and voice their concerns. At the end of it all, it's a Friday draft. They go ahead and draft the best starting pitchers in Cleveland history, according to them. And you'll hear it all right here on this episode of Mistake by the Take. One, two, three, four. The third episode of Mistake by the Take. And Dylan, today we're rounding things out, hitting the final major sports category in Cleveland, baseball. And uh, me and you know a little thing about this team right now because just earlier today we were at the game
1: yeah we so uh we're recording this on wednesday um we were both at the game today uh it was painful painful to say the least but, hey hey beautiful weather though i
0: can't I, complain about you that you do not complain but... about the weather at all i mean you're practically talking i uh, 70 degrees yeah completely sunny a little little chilly because
1: we were in the standing room section and it was in that one corner where like the, the sun doesn't really come out but like i mean you can't complain it, it was a day at the Day at the ballpark, you know? Yeah. You can never complain about that.
0: I had a great time, although I will say that the only enjoyable memories were the ones that weren't spent necessarily locked into baseball. No.
1: No, by all means, no. There was nothing memorable about watching zero runs, four hits, and just complete crap
0: baseball. But, you know, it's... Well, I think we're going to have a good episode today. Oh, it's going to be... We kind of mentioned this in the first one, you know, I don't know if I love being a Cleveland sports fan, but we're passionate. We're passionate. Passionate, certainly. And you're going to see the passion today. Definitely are. We're referring to, by the way, today's one o'clock game, the guards lose five to nothing to the Detroit Tigers in the conclusion of their three game series, where they drop two out of three. To the Tigers. To the Tigers. To the Tigers. And they score a total of, by the way, I believe it was four runs, because it was, yeah, two runs in the six to two loss two to nothing win and now the five to nothing loss. To the Tigers. Four runs in a three game series to the Tigers. I'm Yep. 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 So that old yeah, fire us up. Let's get right into it. Uh we'll start with the pitching staff. We'll uh kind of break it down. I think there's been some ups and downs throughout this. I mean injuries playing a huge part. Again, no Tristan McKenzie. He's on the sixty day IL. And then Aaron Savali, currently on the fifteen day IL, I believe. It's an oblique injury though, so typically those last a little bit longer. It's just a touchy injury to come back from Yeah, since I mean, your oblique literally controls. It's every movement. Yeah, like, it, it, It's it's a part of every movement, and it hurts, and it's hard to, like, rest it completely.
1: Especially when you're a pitcher, too, like, your obliques, like, really matter. And I've known pitchers growing up, like, playing that and playing baseball all my life. Like, I know pitchers that have done damage to their obliques, and it, it does – it has an impact. So, I mean, it's completely understandable. Like, definitely, he's got to rest it up,
0: so. Yeah, without a doubt. So, those two guys missing requires some guys to fill in. Call up a couple of guys from AAA, and we'll get into those guys in just a minute here. But got to start things out because with the success of some guys coming up, Zach, please sent down to AAA Columbus. Yeah, I.
1: It was it, it, like when I looked at the game, like the, our notes and stuff like that. I was thinking about. It, I'm like, man, it, it just feels so weird to say that because he's been a guy that like just kind of like a not a staple but like he was always there in the in the rotation for the guardians and now seeing him like oh he's sent down like you kidding me but then like you look at the stats one and one on the year seven point nine five nine era that's
0: ridiculous it, it's just it's downright bad he just hasn't looked good and we saw it last year too he struggled there's no way around it. He just didn't look that great. He was actually a guy going into the offseason that I was very vocal about that I thought the team should move on from. I thought we we're done with Plesack. And I, I saw the argument for keeping him just because he's been so good in the past and you hope he can come back to that. But as somebody who I worked with the Lake County Captains, the high affiliate of the Cleveland Guardians, I've seen some of the talent coming up through this system. On top of that, you know, just watching some minor league games, you got guys like Daniel Espino. Logan T. Allen, who we'll talk about. Guys like that who, they just look good and they look like they're about ready to make the jump. So I feel like a guy that's, you know, falling off, struggling, kind of time to move on. And I think you see that here this year. It's just, it hasn't been good. He makes five starts throughout the season to get to that seven five nine ERA. Only two of those with three or less runs allowed. And in those starts, he also has one where he goes one inning allowing six runs. And another one, his last start that he made before being sent down, just goes three and a third and gives up five, and that was against the Red Sox. Well, and like going back to your point too, like when you think about
1: like the Guardians, like our our number one thing is like we're known for our pitching and our pitching depth, and it comes out like I make I made a joke on Twitter a couple weeks ago. Where it's just like like where the hell do these guys come from? And like they, they just come out of nowhere and they explode, and they're just like what the like what just happened, you know? But um. No, I mean, like that's the thing. Like, if you have the depth and like, there's no need for keeping him on the roster. Um, I mean, yeah, like you you want to see that potential maybe come back at some point, but I think this is part. This is probably the end of it. Towards the end of it, I mean, especially when you're getting sent down too, that's kind of like it's either hey, you better figure it out down there, or you're gone. Because there's no other way looking about it, you know. It, I don't. I don't think we're paying. We're not paying him gigantic money by any means. No. So I'm not like. It's not like we have to keep him, and he's going to be this huge tax on us or anything like that. But it's just like, again, like especially when you see the like once we get you know Mackenzie and Savali back too. Like, there's quite possibly no need, especially like we're going to talk about in a couple minutes here. There there are guys stepping up in this rotation too, and and then the. The other thing, too, is like once you go down the stretch and if we do make the playoffs and stuff like that, obviously, I don't want to say we will or will not because it is May right now and it's not looking too pretty right now. But I think that going down the stretch, you've seen times where Terry Francona will go and do a three man rotation and. When you you're doing that, you're gonna you're gonna have Bieber, you're gonna have McKenzie, and you're gonna have Savali. And then these other guys tend to move back into a position of in the bullpen. And like so then you get squeezed out at that point. So it's it's again like do we really need him anymore? I, I don't I don't think so, you know? I mean, personally I feel like no, but
0: it doesn't hurt to if he does come back, it doesn't hurt to have him. It doesn't. No, but. out of the bullpen, you know, he's not the worst guy ever to have out there. He does show stretches where he looks really good. It's just overall consistency as a starter is key. He's not showing. And you're it. not. You're not. You don't have consistency. So yeah, and you say Savali's that third guy wasn't anything we have on our list right now, but Cal Quantrill making a run. It you know if Savali comes back and even pitches well. Montrose looked really good. He's always been that
1: like he's been a solid guy. He doesn't get a lot of recognition, but he's been a solid guy and another guy where it's just like, like where does he come from? And he just pitches well for us and and you're going it, to it's going to squeeze him out eventually.
0: Yeah. Please has got to go at some point. I think it's sooner rather than later. Another note on him he had three outings this year where he had just one strikeout. Yeah. I mean, not to beat a dead horse, horse at this point, but it, he's a strikeout pitcher, and he's not getting them. Yeah, that's, that's just flat
1: out. That's what I was going to say. Like, he is a strikeout pitcher. And, like, if you're not getting strikeouts and you're not doing your main thing that you are known for, then we're going to have some problems.
0: Yeah. So, with Plesec being sent down, the move that was actually made was because there was already guys up performing pretty well. They activated Sam Henches for the bullpen off the IL. But with that being said, the guys who are the reason, basically, he's being sent down, it's a triad of guys who are just pitching pretty much out of their minds. Granted, we have seen the wheels fall off a little bit with a couple of these guys as of late. Not complete I don't want to say wheels fall off. I feel like that's a term where, you know, like they've completely collapsed, but they've had not their greatest start. I think there's one
1: guy that is kind of in that boat right now. I think the other ones, it's just they've had at least one
0: kind of hiccup. But I mean there, there is one guy that I do have my concerns about right now. So those three guys Logan T. Allen, Tanner Bybee, and Peyton Battenfield, we'll kick it off with Allen. So far He's gone nearly 17 innings, two two-thirds, holds just a 2.7 ERA, and he's got more strikeouts than he's allowed hits, 19 to 16 there. And, you know, he's sitting right around the 5 to 6 inning range. He hasn't given up more than two runs in a start yet. He's on fire. There's there's no way around it. And this was one of the guys who, when you looked at the minor league system— just felt like it was almost time for him to make that jump.
1: Yeah, and out of the three guys that we're going to talk about today that are having an impact, I think Logan D. Allen is my favorite right now. Um, one and one on the year, and I think the one is, I mean, I guess it kind of is his fault. They did lose 7-1 on that one. But I think that with the offense kind of being how it is, if you can get a guy in there that's you know putting up numbers like only giving up four runs... Seven was kind of the iffy one, but three runs, it's, it helps a lot. If you can not give up those runs, especially when you're lacking in the offensive department. So that's something that I like to see. Uh, 270 ERA, too, it's phenomenal. Um, yeah, and that's a thing, too, where it's just like he's going to be in the back end. And it's you can rely on him going later in the season too especially because now when we're dealing with all these injuries but when we get those guys back it's going to be like all right well where are you going to fit well you know you could move him into the bullpen you could make him that fourth or fifth starter you know so he's going to have a lot of versatility with this team I really like him and I'm really excited to see like where he's going to be at moving forward especially during the postseason run if he could stay consistent throughout the rest of the year he's going to be a Big
0: name for this rotation, or just this the staff as a whole. And by the way, that game where they lose seven to one, his one loss, he only gave up two earned runs in yeah. that one. It wasn't, you know, it was kind of the bullpen that collapsed on him. Not some great defense behind him either, which is another issue we can jump into, but not right at this moment. The defense just hasn't looked good either. Yeah, but nothing's looked good at this point. <laughs> literally, pretty much. Besides, I mean, these three guys might be your saving grace right now combined with shane bieber who francis eh,
1: yeah. what, what did i say francis <laughs> jose ramirez man yeah man. even cool. i mean
0: even at times jose right now is yeah. just but you take that i mean you know what he's going to give you by the end of the year right no matter what you're paying him for a reason that's top guy around here without exactly. a doubt in fact right now wearing a shirt with his face on it yeah that tells you all you need to know yep uh but we'll jump into tanner bybee a guy again when i worked with lake county captains he started last year in high a baseball He came into the year throwing topping out at 92 miles an hour. That was what they had seen when they drafted him in the fifth round. He's hit ninety-nine this year. That is absolutely absurd. In two years, he's put seven miles an hour onto his fastball. Not to mention really good breaking stuff, has a good changeup, mixes pitches well. You see it in his first two starts. He goes five and two thirds and five and a third respectively in those. Gives up one run in his first start, two in his second, strikes out eight and five, doesn't issue a walk. And they come away with a four to one win against the Rockies, and they drop four to two against the Yankees, which once again, no run support. Right.
1: Um, and again, that's a
0: common theme we're
1: gonna see is just no run support from the offense in that perspective. But I don't think I don't wanna touch on him too often because I, I wanna kind of give a little sneak peek. Like, we will be talking about them, I think, in a few—actually, uh, next episode. I'm, I'm assuming we probably will, but—hint, um, hint, wink, wink kind of thing. But, yeah. uh, but, no, I mean, the thing is, the one aspect of our starting rotation that we lack is, I think, that just powerhouse dude that can come in and just light up the radar gun. And I think that's, like, with Bybee, it's just like— Like, you have Shane Bieber, who sits about, I mean, like what, like 92, you know, not nothing. And his velo has dropped a little bit. But, I mean, then Tristan McKenzie, he's not a big guy. He's not going to light up the gun or anything like that. So, having a guy in here in the rotation come in and kind of change up the whole look of – what we already have right now, it helps a ton, and it's already kind of showing in his success because going from all right, if you go from just kind of looking forward, if you look at a guy like okay, you go Shane Bieber one game, and then you go Tristan McKenzie the other game, but then the third game you throw in, you throw in Bybee, and it's just like okay, whoa, like now we're seeing ninety nine out of nowhere, so it's a good kind of thing where it's just like. If you have a different mix and versatility to your rotation, it helps a lot. And that's why I really like Bobby this year. Um, especially, I mean, the consist- there's a little bit of consistency issues. I think um, it, you don't see him go as long in games. So I think probably what you're going to see most likely towards the end of the season when these guys come back from the injury reserve is he's probably going to take more of a bullpen role and maybe like a long reliever. But overall, I mean, no matter
0: what, he's going to make an impact for the staff no matter what. And this is a guy who came into last year not even ranked in the top 30 prospects for the organization. When he got called up, number five. I mean, that's a ridiculous jump. Again, in just two years. So this is a guy who the organization is very, very high on. For him to be called up and move through the ranks that he has. Transitioning to a long reliever role, I think possible, but... I wouldn't even be surprised where if it comes down to the point where they're like, you know what Bobby's not fitting the rotation you might just see him go down to triple a and not as a punishment like you know you're just not cutting it more is uh we don't want to take away reps from this guy in his development because he is still really young, yeah I mean I kind of disagree in that sense of like you gotta I feel like you have to
1: use him though like I don't and at the major league level because like I mean, it's something that, again, like this team lacks. just that kind of, like we have it with Classe. He lights up the gun. Even then, though, his his velo has been going on a little bit. But overall, like if you got a guy that's throwing 99, even out of the bullpen, it just gives you so many different opportunities. Because if you go Shane Bieber, you know, six innings or something like that, then you throw in Bybee, and it kind of helps because you see other guys too. Like, you know, uh, we're going to touch on it in a little bit, but like Karen check, struggling class is kind of a little bit in eh, right here. And those are your kind of powerhouse guys. And if you can add in Vibe into this role, it helps you a lot.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I just know how the guardians kind of view their prospects and they treat them with a lot of high praise. And it's like, they have, they carry their guys with a very high respect and the guys that they value highly they want to treat as carefully as possible and moving a guy into a reliever role offers a whole new set of possibilities injury wise and use wise you'd start talking about stamina do you keep it do you lose it i could see him in a playoff run being put into the bullpen and maybe i'm wrong but i just don't see them push him to the bullpen during the regular season yeah. again, I just agree. just in that fact of no, and, get it, him the reps, stuff like that. I think you're correct in that sense,
1: but I, I, because it, it'll be more of like if he does that transition, it'll be into the playoff kind of where he's going to be in the bullpen, where you might see an inning or two out of him just to kind of get the get him to the next couple arms deeper in the pen and stuff. But um, no, I mean that's I agree too. I would like to see him get more starting reps down in AAA. Because that's one of the things where it's like next year we're looking at it like if we make some changes to this rotation, he's going to be a guy that just easily kind of steps up into that role.
0: Yeah, he, I mean, like I said, flew through the ranks. He started yeah. AAA this year. And, Which know, is not a bad thing either because it, it, it also shows that like, hey, like
1: you, we have you on our radar. You are going to make an impact at some point. You're flying through the system. But like we can, you know, take the foot off the gas a little bit and say like, all right. You're fine. We'll get you some experience now, but like next year and down the road, you're going to have an impact.
0: Right, exactly. And by the way, not like he was the first pitcher taken, and then they were just high on him and came out. At least two guys went ahead of him. I know Gavin Williams. Yeah, another you know guy that lights up the radar, gun up into the triple digits. He flew past him and made the start, and as well as Doug Nakasey. But that's pretty much Bybee. His last start, a rough one. And again, these young guys are going to have these. They're going to go up and down. Against Detroit on Monday, he went just three and two-thirds, gave up seven hits, four runs, and really it was a control problem that day. He issued his first walk, but he didn't just issue one. He issued four of them before going four innings. Yeah, that's that's the
1: concern. Is like you, you went no walks, no walks, and then all of a sudden four walks. Um, a little bit of a hiccup, especially going only three and two-thirds. Um, but, I mean, overall... As long as he I'm assuming he'll get another start at some point, um, I would think so, especially yeah. with all the injuries too uh, i I think he'll most likely clean it up. I, I just think this series as a whole against Detroit was just really bad overall and there was not many bright
0: spots at all. No, it was a mess. and I think if you're gonna call a guy up like that and use him in a long stretch, you have to be okay with him. You know, having a bit of those, having those some hiccups. hiccups. Yeah, yeah
1: you're going to have those because I mean, especially too, you're a, like you're a rookie. Like obviously, there's going to be those hiccups in your career. Yeah, it's you're not going to be perfect up and down. It's and this is the time too to have those hiccups because it is May and it's
0: not like it's like August or September where we're fighting for a spot in the playoffs. Right. This is you look, you see the hiccup, but you don't hit the panic button. You're like, right. okay, you know, you've seen him on a bad day. Now you just look. Are we getting more bad days or are we getting more good days? And this is a great time to assess mentals too, because how do you bounce back from a bad start? Do you just, you know, go straight through your routine, straight out of your mind, get right back to it and go to what you were doing in the first two starts? Or, you know, do you kind of slowly come out of those bad starts and then they linger a little bit?
1: Right. It's kind of like, what can you do to improve and getting that out of the way? Because eventually, at some point, no pitcher is perfect. And it's like, by all means, he's not going to be like, Oh my god, like he has every start that he made was like God tier or anything like that. No, like he's gonna have a hiccup. So it's good that it's in May of this rookie year where he's gonna have a couple bad games here and there. So not at all worried about that one.
0: And like you said, that's every pitcher. you know. Right. Shane Bieber doesn't look dominant on the mound every time he steps out either. Exactly. And that guy's one of Young. Like so yeah. It it just it is what it is. Like mm-hmm. you get bad days out of guys. You're human. Right. Third guy will jump into Peyton Battenfield. I think this is the most up-and-down guy. You've seen some really good stuff out of him and, you know, some not-so-good stuff. Uh, He's got five starts so far. He also made an appearance out of the pen. I'll just say right now, I don't think the pen appearance should be weighted very heavily because, I mean, he got rocked in it, but also, he's not a guy that normally comes out of the bullpen. So, just, if you're a Cleveland fan worried about that, shake that one away. Right. Um, He has made three starts this year where he's given up two or less earned runs, so... You look at that and he's only made five starts you're like, "Oh, hey, pretty good, right?" Right. The problem is the other two are shaky and we'll focus more on the one cuz he made the start today. He goes 6 innings, gives up 7 hits, 4 earned runs and they were all early pretty much. Yeah. That's I think that's where the concern is. Yeah. I think
1: you know, like 4 runs could be viewed as not too bad or very bad. And in this case, It's very bad just because your sticks are just non-existent right now. And you could afford, if your team is, like, lighting it up, like if you're the Yankees, like if your pitcher goes out there and he gives up four runs, your bats are most likely going to be able to save you in in most situations, obviously different and stuff like that. But, I mean, what we need right now from a pitching aspect is – not many runs giving up and i know that seems very cliche to say just because like i mean it obviously, yeah, obviously you don't you want to give guys up, runs, not giving up runs, but like right. it's like you know when we you don't need a dominant guy or anything like that we need just consistency out of these guys and the thing is with battenfield it's just i, I don't know like that's i said earlier that i like to and I'm worried about one. And Battenfield is the one that I'm worried about right now. Um, seeing it live today, especially against a team like the Tigers, I just, I don't know. I there I, I think a lot of it is consistency issues, and I think all of a sudden it's just he is he is 0-4 on the year too. That should be noted. Um, again, obviously three starts with two or less earned runs. Can't really blame him for those, but it's more of like, how is he dealing with the adversity? And now that he went zero and three, and then he loses today and he goes zero and four, and you start to see the wheels do come off a little bit. I know you said that earlier, but it's like this could be a little bit of like hitting the panic button.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I'm ready to you know metaphorically hit the panic button on him. I think it's definitely a concern. Yeah, I think you're looking at him a little more closely and assessing is he a guy that we want to keep up? But I think you give him at least a start or two more. I will say today too, he was getting hit around a little bit. In that first inning, they give up two runs and they're gonna go as earned runs. Ahmed Rosario botched a play at short. He did. I, it could have easily been scored an error and just simply mm-hmm. wasn't. I it was a play that literally would have kept them it would have kept a run off the board in the long term of the inning like you would have had the third out before the second run came around
1: yeah no i, I mean I, I agree and like you said earlier too like the defense has been shaky and i think that there is there has been a couple of instances where it's like okay it's not really his fault but there was times i mean he gave up seven hits today um in six innings of work but that it's you kind of hope for the runs coming at the end of the appearance more towards like the fifth and sixth inning like you said I mean it was the first inning and they were already scoring on him so that that does raise some eyebrows for me and I feel like I am being a little bit more cutthroat in the sense of we already have guys that are pitching well and they don't have as many starts as him which is it's kind of like all right I'm not really I'm not dealing with this it's okay if he goes back down to AAA, especially too like I, I think eventually he probably will. Go back down to AAA because the thing is, like, I mean, if you're missing McKenzie and Savali, like, you're going to be forced down there. And especially, too, if you're not a guy where you could be used in the bullpen in that sense, which he's kind of proven to not be, I don't, I would rather just you go down to AAA, figure it out down there. I think he'll be fine down, like, in AAA if he does, when he goes down there eventually. But, I mean, overall, I I, I just don't think that he's going to be.
0: Moving forward, going to be an impact this year. Yeah, and it should also be said, Battenfield, not a guy as highly touted as Allen and Bybee in the list. He's not a guy who's going to come up and probably be your ace, you know, where you see stuff from you're like, wow, I could see him being a guy in the future. Right. He's more of like a back-end rotation guy. He's not going to—and he does what a back-end rotation guy gives you. I mean, he hasn't really gotten shelled Mm -hmm. all to this point. It's just been like, you know, he has those starts where he gives up, you know, four runs— and you really don't ask that much more out of the back of the rotation guys. You ask him not to get shelled, you know, have some good starts, but not really, you know, let the wheels fly off, as we've been saying. You just keep them within those four runs. You were saying is you give a guy four earned runs, you look back at his day and you think, ah, oh, it wasn't a great day, but I don't think, oh my. Four earned runs that guy like, got send him down. Yeah, like, like, no, you don't. I'm not like, wow, like he's the reason they lost that day. Like he got blasted. Yeah. No. Bats pick it up. Right. Like, give the guy a little support. Four runs might earn you a loss here and there, but it shouldn't rule you out of a ball game, which right now is where it feels like. Right. And I don't want to. We'll get into the offensive struggles in a bit, but yeah, it's just. I don't want to put all the weight on his shoulders, too, because he really hasn't looked bad. Four and runs should not be viewed as the end of the world.
1: No, and and that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think it's the earned runs that I was really concerned about. I think it was more the seven hits for me. That was more of my concern is just, is he consistently getting hit around which he was against who a team that's not really known for being a powerhouse aka the tigers so that like i i don't again i don't i don't view the earned runs as kind of an overarching thing because it could be taken with a grain of salt um but no when when you are getting hit around for seven hits that's when i kind of be like oh you know
0: yeah and it should be said too Tigers right now playing nearly five hundred ball. I mean props yeah. to them. Again, don't expect it to keep up. Right. But they are hot right now. They're hot. Yeah. It is I what agree. it is. But we'll uh, we'll turn away from the starting pitching right now. No need to jump into Bieber again. We said, you know, he's dominant guy, as always. Yeah. He's 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 doing just fine. Don't yeah. worry about him. And we talked about Quantrill a little bit as well. So we'll go into the bullpen. We'll start things up with kind of a high note first. I think uh you saw this last year too? Eli Morgan dealing out of the pen. You see him again today, and I will say before today's last two starts, he gives up a run in each of those. But the plus? Those are his only two runs given up on the season. Sixteen innings pitched, now a one one three ERA, seventeen hits, seventeen strikeouts. I mean yeah he's dealing.
1: There's nothing more that you can ask for from a reliever in that aspect. I mean he's doing exactly what you need him to do. You need a guy coming out of the bullpen and just being consistently knowing like, you got to be able to know that, okay, he is going to come out there, he is going to shut the door no matter what, and we'll be fine. Um, and I think that's something that we are struggling to see right now with our bullpen, with a couple of the arms right now. So Eli Morgan is definitely a bright spot right now in our in our bullpen. Um, again, 16 innings pitched and only 17 hits and four walks. Like, it's really not that. Like, a 1.13 ERA, too, I, I'm— I'm, I'm happy in this sense of we seem to have at least one shining part in that bullpen where it's just like, okay, I know for sure that a, our starter kind of blew something up towards the back end of his start, and now we could go to Eli Morgan. He could get an inning out of it. We can get something out, and then we can go back to a couple of guys. and But no, I mean, like you said, two earned runs throughout the whole season so far, it's it's Really good to know that we have that piece.
0: Yeah, he's looked really good, and also a guy who you see him go in one inning right now. You know, he can sort of stretch it to two. He's also gone like three, four innings. Just thinking back to last season, he's yeah. given you a little bit more. I don't want to label him as a long reliever because I don't think that's the role that he's going to be in or should be in. But worst case scenario, he can go give you a little bit of length out there.
1: He's going to be a guy most likely where if you're in a jam, you go to him gets you out of an inning or, you know, he does go for an inning to try to get you a transition, more of like a sixth sixth inning or a seventh inning guy.
0: Exactly what I was thinking. Yeah.
1: yeah so, um, but no, I mean, like it, it doesn't hurt right now to at least, especially right now, I wouldn't mind trying him for two innings or anything like that because if it is like seventh, eighth, seventh and eighth inning, like try it, you know? You get six out of Bieber go two innings and then go to class A for the ninth. Like I I would not mind that at all just to see at least like, all right, what can we do with him? Because obviously you don't want to play around with that stuff when it comes to August, but like it's May, why not try it and try out different things because we're seeing it in other aspects of the field right now. We got guys all over the place playing different positions all over the batting lineup. So it doesn't hurt to at least say like, Hey, like, can you go one more inning? But yeah, I mean, I I think that there is a ton of potential with Eli Morgan right now, and what helps is that he has a high floor right now. So I'm I'm
0: I'm definitely excited moving forward. Yeah, I think for the most part, Morgan going to be a guy who's just going to be staple in the back end of the pen that you're going to use towards, like you said, that sixth seventh inning. Now you talk about the sixth and seventh inning. Concern now comes in when you're walking towards the eighth because your setup guy right now. James Karin check. and I'll be honest, and this happened at the beginning of last year. I've lost complete faith in him. A five one nine ERA right now, and the main thing that jumps out to me, he's given up five home runs in the last sixteen and two thirds innings. Or that's his total for the year. Four of those home runs have come since April eighteenth. Yeah, I, I mean, you
1: saw it last year, like the consistency is just not there. And especially when you have a guy that is supposed to be your setup and you're gonna take him into class A, you need consistency. Like, I mean it's it's obviously it's all said for like a bullpen, you you need consistency no matter what. But like in eighth and ninth inning guys you that's a huge factor and you're not getting it with him. Um five nineteen ERA he did have a positive outing um, his last time, which would have been on Tuesday, I believe. Um, he went two-thirds of an inning. I mean, I guess...
0: Yeah, you say a positive, positive but, but... like,
1: I mean, I say positive in the sense of he got two strikeouts, he didn't allow a hit or any runs. But the the negative was, I mean, he had two walks. And I looked up his strike percentage. Nine of his 18 pitches were, were strikes. So, like, he's just kind of... Oh, like you don't want your guy being like fifty percent. Yeah, it's not sense. ideal. It's at all. not ideal because I mean, you want to be more at the seventy mark at least. And I just, I mean, man, like I,
0: I don't have faith in him. I, I agree. And Karen a guy, by the way, you know what you're getting out of him. He is a guy who is going to struggle with his command a little bit. Yeah, he makes up for it in the fact that you know he's got a wicked breaking ball and he can hum the ball past guys. He comes with passion. He fires everyone up. The problem is it's hard to fire everyone up when your record's 0-4. You've blown a few games now. It's You just look at him and, you know, especially with a pitch clock, we've seen him multiple times this year get a pitch clock violation, and it's, a guy like him, it destroys the mental aspect of the game. You just add a ball onto a guy where, like you said, he's sitting around that 50-50 marking games. You can't take a free ball. You just can't. Yeah, no, and like, and that's the thing. Like, I like my
1: closers and my setup guys to have that fire in them because it, it does bring it's it's an electric thing to like the fans and to the whole bar, ballpark to have that guy come in with such fire but the thing is you have to be able to hone it in too if you're coming out there and you're just all over the place yeah it, it's you're going to get this kind of result and I think You're right in the sense of, like, I think the pitch clock is kind of screwing with them a little bit because it is a tempo thing. It is hard for not just the pitcher, but the batter to kind of just readjust to this. And I, I, but you can't use that as your crutch because you, we've seen you struggle last year with the same exact thing. So I'm not, I'm, if we're going to hit a panic button on one guy for sure, I think you're going to go with Karen Yeah, I'm
0: hitting the panic button.
1: It we've might been only be hitting made, the panic yeah.
0: button, honestly on on him for the longest time. Yeah, and if like I said if this is the first time it happens to a guy, you're more lenient, but we saw it last year. Mm-hmm. It's just a guy who over and over again your confidence is shaking with him. And it, it can't be your setup guy. It cannot be the confidence being broken with your setup guy. It simply cannot. It needs to be your number 2 trusted reliever out of the bullpen. Your number 1 should be your closer. You should feel confident going to him in every situation at the end of games. And the setup guy should be the guy you look at and you go, wow, if we got to him, we're reeling because it is going to be hard to break this 1-2 setup between the 8th and the ninth inning setup and closer.
1: Yeah, and like I kind of view a guy like a setup as the glue because if you don't have that glue from, okay, the the relievers that were going or say your starter did go 7 innings, you don't have that 8th inning kind of just a little 1-inning just to get you to the ninth and get you over the hump, like it could be detrimental. And you've seen it a couple of times already, get detrimental when you don't have that piece in there to help you get to the last part.
0: Yeah, and especially with the team, the Guardians right now, not hitting the ball. Exactly. It's not like you're playing with six-run leads where you can give up one or two runs. Nope. That's why your record's 0-4, because you know, you're playing in one-run games. That's where you're viable. Mm-hmm. As a setup guy... So you need to lock things down. Go out and get the three outs. So then I got a question. Then, do you try Eli Morgan as your setup instead? I I don't like Eli Morgan as a setup guy. I, I like him coming in sixth, seventh. He just, you said you want your guy to have that fire in him when he's, you know, your setup guy, and I'm right there with you. Fire. It's just not a. I don't know because he is. He's really good on the mound, and he looks really good this year. I'll give you all the praise, but there is just a simple eye test it factor to set up in closers. And it's just, it's not there for me. Yeah, I'd love to have him in my pen. I don't think he should go absolutely anywhere. It's just some guys are middle relievers and some, you know, you get the late relievers, setups, closers, and I just don't think that's where I see Morgan. I don't know who you go to to in that sense. You might look at a guy like Samlin, although he's been, you know, all over the place. Yeah. Just, you know, a guy, I'm trying to think of guys that play with a little bit more passion but like Sandlin's the first one that comes to mind. Maybe Aniel De los Santos. He but did again. come
1: in today and he he did pretty well, I think. Yeah,
0: he looked he looked good. I don't have the stats up in front of me, but he looked uh I think he went through the one or two innings that he had pitched pretty quickly. I don't think he gave up anything. So
1: No, I don't I don't I, I think I mean that's one guy, but like honestly, like I don't mind really I, I don't mind trying it. I don't mind trying putting Eli Morgan there. And I and I get the sense of like you need to have that it factor, but like, I think at this point you just need consistency out of the the most, you know? And I think that if you go to him, like you don't like, but the only thing is if you do try to move him into that eighth inning, seventh inning role, it's going to be a lot harder because now you're like looking at it like, okay, who am I going to put in? Like, if our pitcher starts to struggle and it starts, the, the wheels do fall off. Um, but De Los Santos, by the way, only gave up one hit, uh, got a strikeout and one in one inning of work. So, yeah, I don't mind him either too. I think that could be a guy that could potentially, if you tried to make that transition for Eli Morgan to the to like a, your setup guy, I, maybe Santos in that sense. But I don't know. I mean, I think that they're just going to have to look at it and figure out what they need to do with the back end of the bullpen.
0: And just to kind of stabilize that set of the it factor and the eye test, it is. I think it's a real thing, and I don't want you know that to be brushed it off. It is a real thing, 100. No, because I do. those are high pressure situations. Mm-hmm. The difference is the it factor are guys who they play with a lot of passion because the moment does not phase them. Mm-hmm. They're mentally and clinically insane. check and Classe, there's just there's something rewired in their brain where you just don't feel the pressure, and those are the guys you need in those situations. Morgan, you know, like you come in with a clean slate. It's the sixth, seventh inning. You give up a run. You know, it's not necessarily like, oh, the game's over. Where in that eighth and ninth, it very well could be.
1: Yeah. No, I'm, yeah. I guess it's just, it it is, it is a tough spot. You know, we'll see what, we'll see what they do moving forward.
0: Like said, if you if you want to move him there and try him there, I think that's fine. Yeah. If you want to give it a shot, but I just I don't see it being something that sticks.
1: Right. I want it to be Karen Check. Right. No, everyone just, wants it to yeah, be Karen I mean, like, shoot, dude, I'd love for him to be the closer at this point, just because. Yeah. Like, um, could you imagine, like, ninth inning, high pressure situation, the fans are going crazy, and then James Karen shuts the door. Could you imagine him on the mound? Like, oh my goodness. Well, he was in that spot for a little bit. It was the battle yeah. between like him and Classe, sort like, of. Like, who when, is going yeah. to actually be the Closer and like it, 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 that was in consideration at some point, but like now it's like for sure not a thing.
0: Yeah, no, it's class A <laughs> far and away. And speaking of, we can get right to him. We'll start with the positives. I think he's kind of a question mark right now. Yeah, I don't know if I should be starting to get concerned or not because he does lead the league in saves with 13. Should be saved, said that he also leads the league in save opportunities with 16. I want to say he's three higher than anybody else right now in the league. The last time I checked, that one was, but I know that he got a save opportunity just last night, so not sure if that had changed or not. But the most concerning thing is that you also have three blown saves, and you have, you mentioned it earlier, that drop in velocity. When a guy's dropping one or two miles an hour, I don't think anything of it, but we're talking a guy that was throwing his cutter at 102, and he's topping out at like 97, maybe touching 98 right now. And he still looks good, again, you know, leading the league in saves. You're not mad about that. But you worry about what that indicates when a guy's dropping that much off of his fastest pitch. Like, is that something to be worried about later down the line? Does it spell a bigger problem? So
1: we talked about it on the radio yesterday, and my stance was it was kind of a question mark for me. Um, but I thought about it last night. And I really don't have a concern at all with him right now. Um, I think that 13 saves but three blown saves, it kind of tells me that he's more of just being overused in a sense because we don't have a lot of guys that can, like, shut the door for us because usually, like, when you have different teams, like, you could kind of see like, Oh, like he could be a closer, but you know, we'll leave him as a setup because we have a better arm. But like with us, like we don't really have that guy. So I think that I honestly think it's just a little bit of overuse because he is leading the league in saves, but like the three blown saves, it, it is a little bit concerning, but I, I overall, like I'm not too worried about it. I, I think in the aspect of the I don't, necessarily think it was significant as a drop off in speed but I, I I thought about it too like let's play devil ads advocate on this one where it's like could he potentially just be saying like hey like I'm gonna chill out focus on more of being consistent and finding the zone more because there was a little bit of a concern like last season too where can is consistent can he be more consistent and I mean he 13 saves like I don't I'm I'm okay with if he's getting the saves, and he's only throwing 97. I'm fine with that. You know, it, it, I'm I'm trusting him right now to be able to do that. Now, is it is the same trust level as a guy like Eli Morgan? No, but I think that he's proven before that he can, he has the it factor. He can go out there and shut the door. But overall, I mean, I really don't have that many concerns with him right now.
0: You could absolutely be right in the velo conversation that the drop-off is just like a, you know, take a step back, stop worrying about, you know, chucking it as hard as I can. Right. Worry about, you know, control, things of that nature. The blown saves spell something to me, too, though. It I don't know—again, I don't know if I should be concerned or if it's just overlooking it, but he had four blown saves all of last season. 46 opportunities. Like, he was getting in plenty then, too. And he's already got three this year and just 16— Again, I don't think it's necessarily like, oh, a scenario of you're not going to Class A anymore or send him down to AAA, nothing like that. not at all. It's just like, okay, is he still the dominant guy we had last year? And again, you lead the league in saves, you're not bad. It's just, you know, little question marks start popping up. And it's, again, I'm not concerned right now necessarily. It's just, is there something that maybe I should be a little concerned about is the question.
1: Yeah, I think... in it is right to at least be like, Hey, like maybe this should be noted right now. And I do think three blown saves should be noted by all means. But I think my perspective on it is more of like, I think we're sort of overusing them in the sense of like, it's only the quarter of the season. How many, how many save opportunities has he gotten so far? 16. 16. So, I mean, it's not, it's a little bit more than you would expect. Definitely. So in, in, the thing is, too, like, if if it's now that he's having those blown saves, and I'd much rather it being now, you know, I don't want it to be down the road in August, September, but it could be a continuous thing, too. That's the other thing where you're mentioning it, like, you don't want
0: to see that moving forward. Yeah, I guess I'd describe my feeling with him right now as more uneasy. Yeah. It's, it's not a concern, but just, like, I'm uncomfortable right now with where he's at, and... Mm-hmm. I just want them to start shutting things down a little bit more and, you know, settle in maybe with a bigger body of work as the year goes on. That'll happen. But right now, you know, I just need to see more. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I want to know about the velocity. It's just, you're probably not going to get an answer to it, but it's something where you just look at it and you're like, well, one year to the next, that shouldn't be the velocity drop off. And why is it? Like I said, not getting an answer to it, but just it's something that sticks in your mind. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Hey, enjoying this edition of Mistake by the Take? Never miss an episode by hitting the follow button on the podcast and by dropping a follow on all of our socials. That's at Mistake by the Take on Instagram and at Pod on Twitter. Again, at Mistake by the Take on Instagram and at Pod on Twitter. Thanks
0: a lot. And now, back to the show. We'll switch over from the pitching. That kind of, you know, wraps up the bullpen, the starters, everything else. And I think that's much stronger side of the team right now because of the concerns and maybe there's not nearly as much to talk about here deep dive wise, but certainly the bigger issue on this team right now is nobody can hit the freaking ball. Nobody. Flat out. But we'll start with I mean across the board too. This isn't just like a couple of guys, this is across the board. whole team. We'll we'll jump into A guy that gets on down, he was a star right fielder last year, came up big in the playoffs. He was a guy that, you know, he looked to be a staple of Cleveland, both just personality-wise and in the field. Just didn't have the factor this year. Oscar Gonzalez gets sent down to AAA Columbus. He was hitting just 192. He had 73 at-bats. And I think the leash is shorter with a guy like Gonzalez because he, when he was brought in, it wasn't necessarily like a promote this guy and we think he's going to be the next thing. It was more like a filler piece. He was a guy who we were just like, we can send him up now and maybe you DFA him later, just option him back. But he just popped off and he had to stay. And now after a slow start, maybe some of those concerns coming back up.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing where it's kind of like, you know, there's other guys that you want to try to play out there and get more time. And you're like, all right, well, at some point, like you said, it, he's on a short leash and – That leash kind of let up, and now he's not getting those appearances. And I think that like it was really it it was fun when you went to those games and you hear the SpongeBob going like the SpongeBob SquarePants as this walk-up song. It's cool. It's a good element to the game, getting the fans involved and being a household name. But like you said, like when you got highly touted prospects coming up, I, I mean it's hard. To give a guy like him the opportunities then. And especially to like they're gonna they're they're trying different things now. Um Tyra Freeman does come back up um as kind of like the replacement, even though he's playing more second base. But I mean overall, like, I don't know, I just think that it's kind of I, I expected this to eventually happen at some point. Um, but yeah, it, it does suck to kind of not have that Fan favorite guy, but other, but like like you said, like you still have Jose Ramirez, you still have Shane Bieber, so it's not like we're gonna miss that element so much,
0: and like we needed him. Yeah, and it's, I think the problem too is that in a Tito Francona offense and defense, you need to be versatile, mm-hmm. and he's simply not. And he's in a spot in sort of a crowded room right now. Yeah, he's not a great defender, and he can only play right field. It's his only position that he can play. And at times, you know, he makes you gasp and go, oh, wow, I didn't think he was going to, you know, stick with that ball that probably was a routine fly. Like, he just makes late breaks and stuff. He just doesn't look great. And then he's he's kind of a free swinger. He's a hit-or-miss guy. And you have that right now. Josh Naylor's that guy. Josh Bell's that guy. And you certainly don't want three of them in your lineup every night. Right. And that's the thing. Like
1: we, I think Terry Francona values consistency as well. And you have... Quite literally no consistency whatsoever in this lineup. I mean, we're going to go through it,
0: but it is atrocious right now how bad these hitters are hitting. Yeah, and t- before we get to that really quick, Tyler Freeman, only three games played so far. He had two hits today. He's hitting three sixty four. Super, super small sample size, but he's looking pretty good. He's looking good. No, I, I mean,
1: small. like you said, small sample size, but I, I like what I've seen so far.
0: Yeah, and he's a guy who can sort of move around the infield as well, so yep. gives you some, some versatility there. But, I mean, talking about how bad this team is, I'm just going to run you through a stat raid right now of some team stats that are just absolutely abysmal out of this team. Starting with one of the most looked-at stats in Major League Baseball, batting average, you're hitting two twenty-one and you're not a team who hits the long ball either. Two twenty-one puts you at 29th, and I talk about the long ball, You've hit just 19 this year, dead last in the MLB, and you go, oh, you know, maybe the team above them. There's a couple with 20. They're five home runs behind the 29th place Washington Nationals. That is a team with no future this season. You can chalk it up for them. They're not making the playoffs. And you're five home runs behind them. You've scored just 126 runs, dead last in the MLB, and 297 on base. That's where your team average should be, not your on-base. Also, dead last across the league. So usually like you could say, like, oh, you know,
1: well, we're struggling in this aspect, but we're doing well in this aspect. There is no aspect whatsoever to this lineup that is doing well. This is by far, not even by a slight margin, the worst hitting team in the MLB right now. I mean, dead last in most major categories. How do you even do that? I mean, like I'm gonna run through the the batting averages of all the guys right now. First things first, we don't have a guy hitting above 300. Other, th- I mean, Tyler Freeman, like, but I don't even think he qualifies. No in qualified that
0: sense. hitters, none above 300.
1: None. Andres Jimenez right now, two fourteen.
0: Ahmed Rosario, two thirty four. And that two thirty four before you move on was with a four for four game yesterday, oh for four game today. It was much lower no before No
1: consistency that. whatsoever from him.
0: Nope. Josh Naylor, 191. Mike Zanina, who you just paid
1: as your supposed to be offensive catcher to come in here and give you an extra bat into that lineup, especially lower. 179. Will Brennan, 208. Josh Bell, who you also paid to be your fire stick in the middle of the lineup, 219. This is atrocious. You, I don't know what's going on. Listen, I love Terry Francona to death. He's by far one of the greatest coaches we've had in Cleveland of all time. I'll give him that credit where credit's due. But my Lord, you need to take control of this lineup at some point and get it together. Because, I mean, we're talking about like, oh, all this stuff about Ahmed Rosario being the two hitter and stuff like that. And like, oh, you know, should he be the two hitter? Who else should even be the two-hitter? Nobody. You have literally nobody to fill that void. So, yeah, obviously he's going to have to be it. Like, I just don't understand. Like, I mean, the only bright spot you have right now, I'm pretty sure Jose Ramirez is batting like 274. Like, I I just, I, 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 I hate to say this because it is May, but like,
0: oh my goodness, dude, what are you going to do? No, I'm, I'm sick of the, oh, it's only May debate right now. It, something has to change with this team. It is downright disgusting what they're doing right now. You don't want to be the team that's going to play the conventional style and smash the ball out of the park, sign all the guys hitting home runs. That's perfectly fine by me. Cleveland's in a gra- against the grain city. In almost every sport, they're not afraid to go the opposite way of the league, attack it from a different perspective, and succeed in doing so. But right here, if you're going to be the team that's not going to knock the ball out of the park, you have to be able to hit the ball for base hits. Flat out. You want to be the team that's going to play small ball, play hard? Well, guess what? You have to string together hits. Because when you're not doing it, you see it right now, you are horrible It's awful. And this fact that this team's even playing anywhere near 500 right now is beyond me. This pitching staff has the entire team strapped onto their back and is sweating and trudging through the mud right now.
1: We were being so nitpicky with all the pitchers and stuff like that. Like, the, the main problem is the hitting. And you know what the thing is? Like, the definition of insanity. I like saying it all the time because it happens so much in sports. But the definition of insanity, repeating something and thinking that you would get the same outcome or different outcome, change something up. I I think the one that's really, really irking me right now is Mike Zanino hitting 179. Because the thing is, the one thing that you needed from him was offense. We traded away the defensive aspect at the catcher position because we wanted to get more offense, which I am okay with because this is starting to become a more offensive-centric league. And now the fact that he's hitting 179 and not doing anything, and there are concerns about him even starting now, and he got taken out of the game today, actually, by that means. So it blows my mind because it's just like, dude, like, where are you? Where – what were we thinking with this signing at this point? Like, I get the philosophy behind it, but you got the wrong guy. I mean, by this point, like – I, I don't. In, in the worst part, we're gonna. I, I'm gonna go into it. I know you probably were. Gonna, I was gonna set you up, but I'm honestly just gonna blow through it. Okay, so then let's let's change it. Then great. Let's let's try something else. So you bring up Cam Gallagher. Why? Why do you bring up Cam Gallagher when you have Bo Naylor? You have Bo Naylor in the system, and I mean, it makes it makes perfect sense to go to Bo Naylor. There is, I mean, oh, uh, wait, who's Josh Na- Josh Naylor? Bo Naylor? Oh, oh, wait, they're brothers. Why don't you go to his brother and try that up? But it's not like he's not like doing bad or anything like that. The dude's seven for twenty-one in May, so like, why? I, I don't. I just don't get it. it. It boggles the brain. It really does. Cam Gallagher's hitting 0 for, he, in his, he's 0 for 23. 0 for 23 in his last
0: 23 ABs. It, it's He's hitting 061 on the season. Yeah, 061. And there comes a point where, okay, and the only, I'll play devil's advocate here, the s- scenario that I see with Bo Naylor, the only possible reason for not bringing him up is the same reason about the Bybee bullpen situation. You want him to play every day. You want him to develop. That's the only argument for keeping him in AAA. But guess what? Neither of your catchers are performing right now. So make them do that. Like then make them the everyday starter. Just try it. It's
1: May. It's not like we're in crunch time and you're like, oh, okay, We well, maybe we should probably go with the veteran. Like if this was August, September, and we had this issue, then yeah, I'd be a little bit more stingy about bringing up Bo Naylor. But there is absolutely no excuse why Bo Naylor should not be in the starting lineup right now. You can bat him nine for all that matter. I would not care. It is a disgrace that this dude is not on the roster right now. Yeah, I'm fully right there with you. You, Oh, no, no, you know what? What's even better? Sorry, I cut you off right there. So, like, okay, let's... uh, I think you're hitting the point right where I I, I was going to anyway. So, like, Cam Gallagher doesn't work out, right? So, let's try something else. Like, okay, maybe Bo Nail would make the obvious sense. No, let's bring up David Fry instead, which, by all means, I don't really have too much of a problem with. You bring him up to be the backup catcher, and guess what? He's not even playing catcher. He's batting. He he was at first the other day on, on Monday, Monday, yep. And then now today he started out at third, so it's like he's all over the place. And Ramirez DH. I, and then eventually he became the catcher when oh, guess who was sucking today? Zanino. So then I just I, I'm. I'm mind boggled the sense of like okay you bring in this guy to be the next replacement you're not even playing him at catcher
0: yeah and Zanino to effect I fully agree this year by the way if you're gonna go and get an offensive catcher in any year this is the year to do it I agree you make the bases bigger steals have been off the charts this year so if you don't want a defensive catcher this was the time to ditch the defensive catcher idea go to offensive catcher Bo Naylor also an offensive catcher I don't have the updated stats, but as of yesterday, he was 7 of 21 in May. He was hitting 333, had two home runs, a couple of walks, handful of strikeouts, but he's smashing the ball. Right now, we already talked about Zanino's average, and not that he needs to be a ridiculous average guy. You're looking, you're hoping maybe .215, .220 out of him, but the pop is what you were expecting. Yeah. This is a guy who could hit 20 or 30 home runs. He's got two bombs two bombs through 26 games. He's
1: non-existent.
0: He has 7 RBIs. There was multiple times today and throughout the season that I just watch him go down swinging to end several innings. And he, he's an offensive killer right now. And not that there's much of one to begin with with this team, but he just puts an end to anything that we get started up and you could probably put that label on just about anybody on this team right now too. Like it's not all on Zanino. But it's just every guy just I have no confidence when they come up. When there's two outs and a runner on second, I might as well just walk away from my seat and go get something, you know, to eat or drink because it's probably ending in a strikeout or a pop out into shallow left. I'm pretty sure I did that today. Actually, I got up and I was just
1: like, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna just go get food. You yeah. know, <laughs> get my overpriced nachos because that one pissed me off too today. But no, I mean, I just it's 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 frustrating because the thing is when you get to those seventh, eighth, and ninth guys you're not asking too much from them. What you're asking for is just a little bit of momentum to get you back to the top and have those top guys do the most damage. Get on and keep the flow of the game going. And I don't even think at any part of this lineup we have a guy that could do that. So, I mean, I, I don't like ripping into... Zanino this whole time because I mean when there's guys like Josh Naylor going 191 and like Josh Bell too that one's that one's pissing me off as well because you came in here and you're supposed to be that offensive piece hitting in that 4-5 range and taking over and being the power guy and you're hitting 219 like it just and he struggled at the start of the season he struggled so at least I'm not as mad because he seemed to at least sort of get it together, but the power is
0: just not there with him right now. And, I mean, what's new with this team? You can't hit the ball out of the park. Flat you out, can't. you just can't. Nope. And it's it's so frustrating to sit there and watch a team who, you know, it, all of the other teams in the MLB prioritize the home run right now, and again, against the grain is fine, but you just sit there and think. You, you need know, results. Yeah, what if you What if you had a guy who could blast one out? That's the game changer. Right. You get a couple of guys on base and then... The ball that goes over the wall is, you know, that's your big hit. Because, and here's a thought process before it, and I'm totally on board with it. The way that the MLB thinks about it, you can play either way, but guess what? A guy that can hit one home run is better than three guys that can hit a single. Yeah. Because theoretically, three guys that hit a single, you load the bases without, you know, a deep single, something like that, a fast guy turning and burning. But the home run instantly puts the run on the board. You don't have to get four hits, three hits strung together to put the run on.
1: Why did the Yankees beat us?
0: Yeah, because they could hit the long ball. They
1: can hit the long ball. Aaron Judge can hit the long ball. Basically, one through nine could hit the long ball on that team. Like it's pretty insane because it was like their eight and nine guys were hitting the ball at least hard in that sense, and we just don't have that aspect whatsoever. And with the game, the climate of the game changing, like and the thing is, like people talk about it, like it's supposed like. I mean, I'm in the same boat. I'm 5'9". I'm a baseball player. I'm not the big kid that's going to hit one out. But the thing is, like, like I, the way the game is changing, like, yeah, you're going to have to start to adapt to that. And it's we're kind of stuck in that era of just going single, single, single. And, and the boomers love it. The
0: boomers love it. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I love it. I love it, too. But like, When you string together hits, I think that's way more exciting than the long ball at times. It's... The problem of the guy who can hit the home run gives you results then and there and there's never a problem cuz the ability to smash the heck out of the ball does not go away. You're not asking him to hit for a high average. You're hit, asking him to every once in a while just pump one over. The problem is if you're going to be, you know, the 5-9 guy as you say, the not so big guy pumping it over, you have to be consistent. And you know what, here's the thing. It's a difference of
1: 21 and 17 the Yankees and 17 and 20 for us. Like, yeah. I know it's not a substantial difference, but it's like the Yankees just put up 11. And I think it was either today or yesterday. And, but, and people are, I mean, pressing the panic button on the Yankees right, right now. Which is crazy to think about because it's just like, oh my God, like, they're pressing the panic button on the Yankees? Yeah, and, and they're, like, they're four games over 500. Right. Like, I'd, I'd love to be in that boat at this point. But I mean, like, I don't know. I think that with the the way that this league is
0: changing, there's going to have to be some changes made yeah and I don't even know what you do at this point honestly like I don't even think like, you can't just reach into AAA and replace no, there's everybody. no there I mean other than Bo Naylor because of like we said earlier yeah <laughs> I mean there's a couple of guys on the radar like you look at George Valera maybe but and, the
1: thing is like they're not ready though that's the yeah. problem I don't think any of the guys are ready to make that change and have an immediate impact it's you're gonna have to make a trade at some point and at that point you're gonna you're looking at probably having to get up a little bit of starting rotation pieces in order to get some bats bat, which is a bad thing because you were kind of hoping that Josh Bell was going to kind of be your answer, and he's just not
0: been that. Yeah, not so far at least. I mean, the other thing is, I mean, sit your team down and just be like, guys, come on. Like, 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 figure it out. Like, we have to, like, I don't know if you have to change something roster-wise, but, you know, guys just got to wake up. It's, yeah, it's the end of the day. I don't think there needs to be roster moves made from this. I think you just got to look at your guys and be like, you know, I've seen you hit. I've seen you hit. I've seen you hit. Like, all these guys are capable of hitting like two fifty plus. It's not the fact of they can't do it. It's just like, when will you do it? What are we doing? Yeah, look around and look in the mirror. Like, it's just time to reflect at this point and be like, what is this team doing wrong? Yeah, it's an internal change that needs to happen, not. I don't think go out and get somebody new. And I don't mean an internal change of like a firing, anything like that. I mean, like, you just got to bear down and just, you know, dig deep and, yeah, learn to hit the ball again. Like, you just got to start back from square one and just, I don't know if it's a mentality thing. Maybe they're down in the dumps right now, but just wake up, change the mood, and figure it out. Yeah. All right. I'm I'm more calm right now. Yeah, I think I think we've gotten out the uh, I think we gotten out the frustrations. Should we should we move on to the draft part? I think it's time. It's All it's right. Friday, you know, like to end everybody's day off with uh, us having a little bit of fun. Yeah. Not that that wasn't fun for us cuz I think Oh, we, that was
1: fun though. I needed to get that off that. my yeah. chest.
0: After today going to the game and overpaying for quite literally
1: everything. Yeah, no, I needed to get that off my chest.
0: Yeah. But, you know, we like to end the Fridays with a little bit of fun, have everyone uh, leave on a happy note us playing a little bit of game. Yeah. So we go and uh, we have our own little drafts. Yeah,
1: well, we did it last week. We did Uh, the biggest bust. Yeah, worst picks in Cleveland history. So why not swing it over to the greatest pitchers in Cleveland's history? Because, I mean, hey, that's the one thing that's looking good
0: for us right now. Yeah, absolutely. And the list, we are... Refining it down, we we're talking about pitchers as their time as inside the Cleveland organization, yeah. and we are limiting it to starting pitchers. Starting pitchers, because we want to build a starting five. Yes, the idea here is that you're building a rotation.
1: And I believe we agreed 1900
0: was the cutoff. Yeah, we're not going to go digging too far back, but also, you know, you can go get the guys. Yeah. Way back, just no. I, I did. Yeah, I did. Same but
1: here, the, but there, there's one guy that's pretty deep, but do in. We will put this disclaimer in right now. No Cy Young, right? Uh, no you Cy Young. Cy, this. Did, no. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, Cy Young is off the board. We don't want anyone thinking like, oh, like... yeah, Major miss. Yeah, like, no. Like, it, we were just not considering it. But, like, it, in in Cleveland history, probably one of the greatest pitchers of all time, especially when you have your own award that is the best pitcher yeah, in, of the year named after you. Yeah, no, credit to where credit's due.
0: Yeah. Yeah, not too bad, uh... I think last draft, last Friday, you went first. I went first, so ugh, that's going to suck, too, because I know you're, who you're going to take. Yeah, I mean, there's nowhere else to go, right? Right. No, I agree. I agree. I'll take the 1-1. I'm going with the just far and away top guy to ever pitch for Cleveland. I mean, he was a Clevelander his whole life, basically, mm-hmm. his entire career, I should say. We're going Bob Feller. Yeah. Bob Feller is just, I mean, dominant. Three-two-five ERA, 266 and 162 in his career. And, I mean, the guy pretty much just dominated every stat category and led it his entire career. Not to mention, 42 to 44 takes some time off because uh, he had to go serve in the military. Oh, yeah, you know, just casually. Yeah, just a little something. Which is crazy to
1: think that guys did that.
0: Yeah, just a little something called uh, World War II going on at the time. (laughs) Yeah, nothing major or anything like that. Yeah, he had to step out and uh, do that and came right back and pretty much didn't miss a beat. I mean, his three years before that, he was a top three MVP candidate. The Cy Young Award not yet implemented, so it's just MVP. He was top three, and then by his second year back, he was already back in the top ten of the MVP race. So far and away, I don't think you have to dig too deep into it. Bob Feller, 1-1. Yeah, I mean, that was going to be my 1-1 pick there too,
1: um, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, he is uh, by far probably the greatest pitcher of all time. Um, in, in second. In my, in my books, obviously Cy Young being one, but like in this draft, he's by far, he's one hundred and one, on um, And it should be noted to a World Series winner. Is a World was, Series winner, yeah. That was highly, I consider that a decent amount in my rankings. Um, so I guess we'll go, since we didn't get our main guy, we're going to adjust. And honestly, I mean, when I looked at his stats... Wasn't too far behind him a little bit,
0: and I'm gonna go with Bob Lemon. Yeah, that would have been my two.
1: Um, yeah, Bob Lemon. I mean, 48.2 WAR, uh, 207 wins, a 3.23 ERA. Not as many strikeouts. Only uh, only 1,200. You know. Yeah. Uh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean. 1.34 whip um a seven time all-star so like it's he kind of gets overlooked a little bit in my opinion because it's just like he was in the same era because he was 1946 to 1958 with Bob Feller kind of in that same time period again another world series winner partly why they won the world series was, was those two guys i obviously I am a little young, so I don't know exactly what happened in those times. But I think that Bob Leland is a guy where it's just like he has been overshadowed. Um, but no, I mean, I, I think that by far he's kind of like, all right, tier one is uh, definitely Bob Feller. But then tier two, in kind of a standalone, is Bob Lemon in that sense.
0: Yeah, I think those two guys high and away and – the biggest thing too, because we're talking about guys in their Cleveland career. Both yeah. of these guys, their entire career was spent. That's here.
1: the other thing too that I was considering. Like, listen, like they they spent their entire career with the. It would have been. Was it the spiders then at that point or no? Uh, no, no, would have been the Indians. It was the final yep. Indians. Yeah, okay, but yeah, the, if if you could spend all of your career there too and then win a World Series,
0: like I think that kind of set you apart from most people yeah and i mean not short careers either we're talking no they were over 10 years yeah for both of them i agree so that uh yeah you get lemon and that brings me up with the the 2-1 and i think i'm gonna go in a direction that you know you can agree or you cannot agree i'm gonna go much more modern don't oh, know and what you're gonna do i'm gonna go to Corey kluber <sighs> he was my three too kluber there's just something about not only growing up with this guy that leaves such a positive taste in your mouth. Oh, like yeah. Just, he was dominant. He was one of the best. He wins two Cy Youngs here. hmm And he pitches, you know, from 2011 all the way until 2019. So, not only is he with you, you know, through those two Cy Youngs, he also finishes third in 2016 and brings you to a World Series. You're probably, you think, you know, you blow a 3-1 lead, you should have won. So he doesn't get the the World Series win done, but definitely a vital piece in getting you there and definitely also not his fault that you don't lock it up.
1: Yeah, no, and I think part of it, too, with with him is, like, I think the modern piece helps a lot because I think hitters are a lot better than how they were back in the day. But, uh, no, I mean, Mr. Consistent, I mean, he was kind of the one guy I grew up watching where it's just, like, like, I mean, obviously, you got guys like Cliff Lee, CeCe Sabathia, more in that era. But, like, I mean, 2011 to 2019 is kind of like the prime years of like when I really started to kind of follow along with baseball. And, like, Corey Kluber was that, that guy, you know? And so, and it, everyone loved him. Like, there yeah, was no matter it, what. Yeah. Like, you know, Klubot,
0: you know. Yeah. He was Klub, just. Yeah. yeah. No, I,
1: I loved that. And I, I was. It was sad, kind of seeing like now, like where he's at, where it just like his career just like, like kind of fell off. I think Boston. Yeah, I believe. Pretty he sure Boston, is with Boston. I saw him, right him now. like on TV the other day, and I like looked at him like Corey Kluber's in Boston now. Like, and whoa.
0: he hasn't spent more than a year with anybody. Right after Cleveland, I mean,
1: he started with the Rays on um, during the postseason yep. last year. I remember because he, I was at that game. I was just like, yeah. whoa. We talked about we were there together. Yeah. We talked about that yesterday. We were
0: at the— You were
1: at the Rays game, and then you were at the Yankees game, too, when uh, Gonzalez hit the walk-off. Were you at that one? I was at that one. The walk-off was against the Rays. No, but there was another— Well, he had one against the Yankees, too. It wasn't a home run.
0: Oh, so yeah, I was at the Gonzalez. Why, did we just reverse on ourselves and we weren't at the same game? I mean, I was I at the 15 so. inning Gonzalez solo. Oh, shot. I was there too. Okay, okay, we I was were there, there okay. at that
1: one. But then I was also at that Yankees one where he got that hit. Okay, yeah, no, I was not there for that. Oh man, some like some random fan like lifted me up. Like I was like cheering with these random because my parents were in the back. Were like they were. Gonna, we're on our way out. We're gonna leave, and then all of a sudden, like I was like, okay, this, this I, I feel something going. A little like spidey tingle. thing. Something like, is in, see, the yeah, something's in the air. Something's in there, and like I, I, so I went with all other fans, and they were kind of like the energy kept going and going and going, and I was just like, oh, something, something's gonna happen, and then it leads to that some random fan picking me up. You gotta love it, but yeah, no, Corey Kluber going back on track. Yeah, no.
0: Yeah, didn't spend a year with anybody else. I mean, literally pitched an inning for the Rangers. Who Cleveland gets a Emmanuel Clase in that trade, so not bad Pretty for fair. them. And yeah. then he goes Yankees, Rays, Boston. He's been there all yeah. a year. Boston being the current season. Mm-hmm. So that kind of sucks because he was
1: gonna. He was my number three. Um, we're gonna go.
0: This is this is the the really old one, Eddie Joss. Eddie, I see, I was saving Eddie Joss for the end because I didn't think you were going to go there. No, no, I went there. Um, So, I kind of like the stat of war,
1: um, wins above replacement. I mean, dude had a, from the years of 1902 to 1910, he put up a 45.3 war, um, 160 wins, 198 ERA wasn't a big strikeout guy or anything like that. He only had 9, only had 920. I know I keep saying that, yeah, but it's just a, like
0: over a nine year career too, so which
1: is impressive. I mean, yeah. he's going for like 100 strikeouts a year, which is something ridiculous, especially in that time era too. Yeah, but the one that I kind of really liked too was he put up a .97 WHIP, which is kind of impressive because like
0: most of the guys right now. They're above one. No, no, no. It's not kind of impressive. It is literally the all-time career record holder in WHIP. Right. He leads every pitcher to have ever played the game of baseball in the MLB in WHIP.
1: Yeah, and so, like, I was just like, he's kind of got to be really high on my board in that sense. But, no, I mean, I over, in, like, 1907, he had 27 wins, which yep. is pretty impressive. Uh, but, yeah, no, I mean, for a nine-year career— Really good stats.
0: And for anybody who doesn't know, just thought we'd clear up whip. It's walks and hits added together above your innings pitch. So it basically yeah. tells you how many base runners you're allowing mm-hmm. over each inning. Something that we need right now. <laughs> yeah, something that uh, the Guardians offense could right. do better if they could uh, drive a few guys' whip up. Yeah, <laughs> But <laughs> not, uh, not the case. So... Right now, you got Bob Lemon and Addie Joss. I'm Feller and Kluber at the moment. And I sit here and I think, you know, who could I go to? And it's so it's so tough to to go away from some of these guys. Cause I'm just looking at my list and thinking, hmm, like, do I want to switch things up and go away from my original thought? Right. But I think I'm going to lock it in and just stick with it. And not a lot of people are probably going to agree with me here, but I'm going to go to Cliff Lee. Wow. Yep. Okay. I'm going to hop on the Cliff Lee bandwagon because Lee probably, you know, not the most thing he thought about. He was with Cleveland for eight years. long stretch in his career. Now, did he have his best stretch or most notable stretch maybe as a Philly? At least in our era, I think that's what I think growing up. Sure, but he won a Cy Young as a Cleveland Indian. Yeah. I mean, and in that year, 22-3. I mean, that's just absurd. A two, five, four ERA. That's the most wins. Lowest ERA in the league that year. Also pitches two shutouts. Yeah. I, like he was just tearing the roof off of the place. And he also led, was giving up less. He was giving up half a home run every nine innings and was averaging just over or just under a walk and a half every nine. Like you, you can't ask for anything more. He's an all-star even finished top 12 in the MVP race. And that just doesn't happen for pitchers once you get the Cy Young. So, yeah, just an incredible season coming out of him. And, you know, throughout the years, too. Years before that, you're looking at 14 8, 18 and 5, 14 11. He's pretty much sitting around, you know, 3 4 ERA those years. He's just a guy who, you know, kind of blew the socks off of everybody. No, and I agree. He, just during that stretch, so many good pitchers, too, those early 2000s, hard to pick. But yeah. I'm going to go with Cliff Lee there. I don't mind. I, I think I'm a little lower on Cliff Lee just
1: because he didn't spend too much time with us and especially with my next pick it's going to be a little bit different but no I mean Cliff Lee dominant guy like you said in that that span in 2008 I mean 22 wins and 3 losses is impressive and he posted a 2.54 ERA in that time which is incredible Um, not a heavy strikeout guy in that sense you know 6 it, it, I mean, his biggest one that I see right now, with the when not in his time with Cleveland was, eight point one strikeouts per nine, and that was in two thousand and four when he was twenty five. So I mean, it' not again not a heavy strikeout guy, but just very consistent. So I I do I love Cliff Lee, especially me being a lefty. I like them a lot, but yeah, no, I solid pick, solid pick. I'll, I'll gonna, take it. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go. Really, really against the trend. I don't know if you're gonna like this pick. I know
0: my parents will like this pick. Let's hear it. Charles Nagy. Charles Nagy did not was not gonna be in my top ten. Although really, he was one of the first guys off. Okay. I will say. And okay, absolutely biased within my list because obviously we don't get to see a whole lot of Charles Nagy. Just right. No, I ourselves. agree. That's the
1: thing. Yeah. No, I, I, I think so. Um, the thing with Charles Nagy that I liked and why I'm taking him so high. I was a big fan of the 95 and 97 teams. Obviously wasn't born that time, but that those lineups were insane. I freaking love Kenny Lofton. I mean, you could go down the list with all those guys. Um, but no, I mean, during those postseason runs, he was kind of one of those guys where it was just like he was awesome. I mean, in in 1995, 16-6, Uh, Not the best ERA. He never was a guy where he had an awesome ERA. But I think the other thing, too, that kind of stuck with him was that he played, I mean, from 1990 to 2002. You want to talk about a guy that, like, stuck with us for his whole career? He did. I mean, the only time that he didn't play for us was, I mean, he went to San Diego for his final season. And, I mean, he really didn't do too much there. Kind of fell off a cliff later in his career – but, I mean, overall, three-time All-Star, part of those 95 and 97 lineups and stuff when, I mean, pitching wasn't, like, the highlight of it because we had all those bats and stuff, but never was a Cy Young. But he was, again, like, just a consistent guy that all the fans love. So, yeah, I'm I'm going to
0: take Charles Nagy. All right, you get Charles Nagy. By the way, I don't know if we mentioned this on your Eddie Joss pick. He threw a perfect game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we He's might scheduled. have just, you know. Scrolled over that, but Oh yeah, you know. Uh so there's three picks on the board for each of us right now. I got plenty of places to go and so so hard to think about right. Just, you know, directions to move in right now. There's a couple of names floating around. And in the fourth spot, I think I'm just gonna go ahead and wing it and just throw make everybody mad here probably and go full recency bias. I'll take Shane Bieber. Wow. Shane Beaver. Okay. He's been here for six years now. Has a Cy Young under his belt. All star game MVP. He's been 2018. He hasn't put up a losing season yet. He's got a career ERA of 314. I mean, has finished top 10 in the Cy Young now three times. Wins a gold glove last year. The accolades are piling up. And it's really, I think, easy to get lost in the moment when you're with a guy. But it's like, transition one to another like it was Kluber and now it's Bieber and before that you were looking at you know Cliff Lee guys like that and I I think I'm just ready to put Bieber into that conversation and not let him fall out.
1: Dang yeah I mean honestly he didn't make the board for me I mean the, granted I did have 10 on my board um yeah don't get me wrong like he has been the most dominant pitcher that we've had for the past couple of years um like you said he he's won a Cy Young He's been in content Like he's been the staple of our our pitching for like years now. Especially when we lose Kluber, who was that guy for a while, and he kind of steps into that role. It, it like for some reason we always just have guys just sort of just transitioning easily into our pitching rotation. But yeah, I mean, I just I, I guess recency bias probably did have an effect on you. I just I guess I didn't really look at it too much like that. Yeah, I mean, hey, like whatever said,
0: floats your boat, man. The awards <laughs> are racking up, and he's put together six of, you know, the best years in baseball over that span of time. Yeah, I think it's the six years you look back on down the road and think much more highly of than you do in the moment. Yeah, okay, it could be longer. You know, Beaver yeah. not slated to go anywhere just yet. So keep yeah. it going. Maybe it's a little too early. Maybe I should wait for him to finish out his career here. But. Right now, I'm I'm willing to put him into the conversation. Okay. Um, I'm going to take a risk here. I think I'm going to go
1: after a guy that I think you're targeting for your last pick, and it is more of a recent guy. Cece Sabathia. Yeah, that that probably I, I figured, was going to see if that would have slipped. Yeah. I figured. Um, so Cece, kind of all over the place. Um, I loved them. Yeah. I mean it. There, big old CC. I mean, there's nothing that you disliked about him. He finished runner up for the rookie of the year when he had seven. That's crazy. Like 17 wins as a rookie at age 20, by the way. At age at yeah, age 20 is insane. Um, he wins, I believe three. He he's three time All Star in his time with Cleveland. And in, in his final year – well, technically not his final year because of the yeah, partial
0: Yeah, a partial season.
1: Yeah. The, his, full, his final full season, I guess, in that sense, he, um, wins, he wins a Cy Young, which I don't think has been mentioned that much really with him because, I mean, I, I just – I feel like it, it's been hard for him because especially with the – the off-field complications in his career and stuff. I, I think a lot of his accolades get swept under, but, I mean, his 2007 campaign was nuts. Like, oh, yeah. I mean... 19-7, 321 ERA. He pitched 241 innings. Um, like, he was... When we talked about Cliff Lee not being much of a strikeout guy, well, this was your strikeout guy. Absolutely. He was a dominant force in, in like, I loved watching him pitch all the time and it sucked i think part of the reason why he fell was mainly because on my board was because he does go to the yankees yeah he
0: goes to the yankees and spends a incredible 11 year career with them yeah following the eight years or seven and a half that he spent with cleveland
1: but in, in overall too it was an amazing story with him because he does come back and it it, it, it was really sad um Believe it was a co- cocaine addiction, yep. but no. Um, for him to come back and like just be kind of involved in the league still, it it you love to see those kind of stories. But yeah, I'm I'm,
0: I'm gonna go with CC Zabathy in that. Yeah, he's a great ba- bounce back guy. He's definitely one that yeah I was gonna target him after that. I mean it yeah. was it's so hard to go to him just because again us growing up you saw CC you know as a Cleveland Indian that wasn't anything that was you know, thrown out there. Like, we remember him. Right. In a Cleveland uniform. But the majority of it, we remember him in a New York Yankees uniform. Yeah. Which, again, which sucks hard for us because just growing up in that era, you don't... I... When I think CC Sabathia, I think Yankees pitcher CC Sabathia. Unfortunately, yeah. Because, I mean,
1: 2009, what? We were... I was eight. Yeah, I was seven years old,
0: so... Yeah, so... You know, it's just... Tough. Tough. Yeah. It's hard to, like... Like, again, I remember him. In the uniform, but it wasn't like I was, you know, dialed into sports quite yet. Right. I was watching, but not, so It's the thing, know. we're not boomer enough, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're just, we're too young. Yeah. So anybody who wants us to be boomers, I mean, you're at the wrong podcast. You're yeah. getting two kids. We're two the young, young folks, my guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're getting two kids with uh, some some modern takes on the game. Right. But you, you get it CC. You take it from me, unfortunately. So you, I, uh,
1: I figured it. I don't think you're going to go with my next guy. There's there's probably a good
0: chance that that's true, that I don't go to your next guy. Because my next guy, probably, it's not going to be a guy who you think of having one of the best Cleveland careers, but he has a Cleveland moment that I can't leave out. Okay. And it puts him into the list of top Cleveland pitchers of all time simply because he did it. And I'm going to go with Len Barker because he joins Addy Joss in the fact that he threw a perfect game. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. just the perfect game is so like rare and incredible and crazy to come by. So when you throw one, I feel like it just staples you into the team's history forever. And sure, not that long of a career with Cleveland, Barker spends five years with us, although was his longest in his career. I think a lot of people think of him as a Cleveland Indian when they look back on his career. but it, he didn't blow the socks off of anybody, you know, his time in Cleveland, you know, he's six and six. Fifteen and eleven. His best year was he was nineteen and twelve at age twenty four. Uh led the league in strikeouts for two years in eighty and eighty one. He had hundred and eighty seven and eighty. So it's not like he was a guy like he led the league in strikeouts per nine in strikeouts. He he was a dominant pitcher right. at his time. It just wasn't like he was top of the league by any means. Yeah. But when you throw the perfect game, you get your name in. hmm That's and that's fair.
1: I think he didn't make my list. But yeah, I mean, I just I guess I didn't value the perfect game that much. I don't know. I, like I said, I don't think it. Well, it I should, mean, like it, it's. Yeah, I think it should have some factor, but I didn't think that. Like I wasn't just be like, okay, he's all the way up on my board because it, like he didn't even make my board.
0: I, I think it drives the legacy factor for a okay. guy.
1: Again, I, think the I, I left him to five yeah.
0: for a reason. I don't think you know I'm putting him in my top you know, three, yeah, top three, top five guys that I would want as my, like, best Cleveland pitchers. But I think if we're going to talk about guys who, legacy-wise, are the greatest Cleveland pitchers of all time, he's there. All right. Um, I don't know, this one's tough. Last pick, yeah, you get the Mr. Irrelevant, if you will.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it's crazy to think of Mr. Irrelevant for these guys. But, um... (sighs) I was gonna like do like some like really random shit just to like throw you off, say like a Baldo Jimenez or something Stop. like that,
0: right? Um, yeah, I'll take Justin Masters. <laughs> yeah, now,
1: what? <laughs> uh, I think I'm gonna go with Gaylord Perry. He made my list. He made the list. I okay. did
0: an all-time namer.
1: Yeah. It, 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 no no, but, yeah. No kidding. No pun intended on that one. Um, it, it was a very short stint. That's the only thing why I was a little. I was gonna say. About it. But the stint was nuts because, I mean, 72 and 74, he does win. He's an all-star. And, oh, by in, in 72 as well, it was
0: crazy. I mean, 24 wins. He he had— uh, Back-to-back years, 29 complete games. Yeah, 29 complete games. We're not talking, I just read yeah. that. And I'm just like, whoa, yeah, okay. We're not talking, like, 1930 either where that was, like, an everyday thing, like— Guys in the 70s, I mean, they're thrown longer, but 29 complete games in two years back-to-back, which, by the way, follows that up with a 28 and a 25. Like, well, it was happening, but it's just insane to even think about. Did, did, you, look up, did you look at his era? Like, his set, 1972
1: might have been one of the, the best pitching years for a Cleveland
0: Indian. It, I mean, you could argue it's probably one of the best pitching years. Ever too. <laughs> Yeah, ever like. Did you see his ERA? Yeah, it's under two. Under
1: two. <laughs> like, I mean, that's ridiculous. Like, I, I, I mean, that alone kind of boosts you up. Obviously, he won the Cy Young that year. If he <laughs> yeah. had any concerns, but yeah, I mean, two-time All Star in his time here. I mean, which is crazy. He posted those numbers in the 1972 season when he was 33.
0: Yeah, he. And this is a guy, by the way, who plays all the way until he's 44. Which, it, it
1: crazy in my opinion, but yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, it, we talked about longevity and I did that kind of with Charlie Nagy and stuff, but I mean, like, Gaylord Perry, like, that statistically one of the best seasons you ever see. And you don't really, no one really talks about him either.
0: No, and like I said, I think there's those times where longevity does matter. You look at our top guys, dominate at the top, Bob Feller, Bob Lemon. Ten plus years with the team, but there is also something to be said for you know one game moments, one season, just oddities, and it puts you into a category of your own. It yeah. puts you up towards the top when you can go ahead and put together one of the best seasons ever. Yeah, like if you know somebody came out right now, if you know I don't know Tanner Bybee or even a Savali or somebody came out through an incredible season and led the league. Like you're gonna remember that you're gonna remember it. It's yeah. gonna be a guy who sticks in your mind and that's never gonna go away. Granted,
1: I mean, I wasn't, I was not even close to being born, but no, but my still, were like ten, but <laughs> doesn't matter. You, know, right. you can look back
0: and statistically, you can look at it and no, say, "No, yeah,
1: it. I agree." That's like one of the statistically one of the best seasons we've ever seen from a pitcher.
0: There's only so much you can do. You know, we're only sitting around 20, 21 years old. Right. We can't rewind and go ahead and just, you know, be 60. It's not going to happen. Right. Well, and even the, then, you're still not old enough to remember this we're game, giving this credit season. To the,
1: yeah, we're giving credit to the boomers, too. If you think yeah. about
0: it, like, come on. You've you we just went like, We could have
1: just went, like, 2010 and just be like, yeah, no, you know what? We don't yeah. want any of these guys. In that case, Ubaldo
0: Jimenez might have made your list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not actually. Nah. I, I really hope What know, a name. But. Yeah, what a guy. But, uh, yeah, that pretty much rounds out our draft. Yeah, do you want to you want to say your guys really yeah. quick? Yeah, I run through. I got Bob Feller with my one, Corey Kluber with my two, went ahead and grabbed Cliff Lee with my three, Shane Bieber with the four, and I closed things out with my five pick, Len Barker, simply for the perfect game. So, and then in my boat, I got Bob Lemon, Addy Joss,
1: Charles Nagy, CeCe Sabathia, Gaylord Perry. I think we could have definitely like drafted him in different orders. Because like my my like I don't think Charles Nagy would be my
0: three. I think I totally reached on him, honestly. <laughs> listen, we did I did I it last just really week wanted too. him, yeah. I, I went ahead we and just did. Yeah, Bobby Garrett, I mean. By the
1: way, we missed
0: Trent Richardson. I know.
1: That, that was so, so disappointing crazy. because I turned to you after the show. I'm like, dude, we totally missed after Trent Richardson.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll look back on this and just be like there was somebody that we blatantly missed here within the next, you know, fifteen, oh, twenty yeah. minutes. Hopefully not. Yeah. Hopefully everyone thinks think that we we, uh, covered yeah, we hit everybody. The only other guy on my list was Bartolo Colon, and it's just because I am <laughs> a Bartolo <Colon laughs> oh, you got lover. Him. We I, love Big Sexy here. Yeah,
1: obviously. I think I mean other guys I only had two other guys then, Earl Wynn and Sam McDowell. Yeah, those are. No, those
0: are guys who uh, I definitely considered. They were just outside the top ten for me. Yeah, and so. again, I just didn't want to like load my list with older guys either. Yeah, I just wanted to have a good mix. I and agree. I probably went a little bit younger. I mean, I draft three guys in the two thousands, but you know, you know yeah. I'll take my bias list. That's fair. But uh, yeah, that pretty much closes things out for us, yeah. Dylan. I mean, had a pretty good pod here. I mean, yeah. first time we're talking Guardians and. Should we give a sneak peek to I, our? I think we have to give a little bit of a sneak peek. Anybody that's still listening, you know, yeah. Credit to where's credit. Yeah, to. if you're still listening, you get to you. You
1: are a true fan, so you get to get a little sneak peek. You want to re- reveal it?
0: We're, I don't. I don't think we should reveal it. I think we should should hold it, at least but we give should, a yeah.
1: peek. Yeah, no.
0: We're gonna have another Guardians episode coming up Wednesday of next week for not episode re- four, but not, not really Guardians. Yeah. Guardians organization. There's gonna be a special guest on the podcast. Who has a special tie to maybe a minor league affiliate of the Guardians. Not gonna give away who it is, but stay tuned. That announcement, not gonna be very far away from the release of this podcast, between that and the release of Wednesday's episode four. Yeah,
1: I'm I'm really excited for this one, especially because he's a guy that we've I don't this isn't gonna reveal too much, but he's a guy that we've worked with too. And it was kind of one of those things where it was like, we're gonna start doing interviews, and I'm like this is going to be one of our first guys, and I think it's it's truly right and just if he is the first interviewee on our on the mistake on the take.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you uh, if you can figure it out from that, all the power to you. But if I'm not, kidding. you're gonna to have to stay tuned for the announcement when we, you know, go ahead and release that. Yeah. But that pretty much wraps it up for episode three of Mistake by the Take. Jake Vondrich alongside Dylan Feltovich, and you know, again, Wednesday. Is going to be your next release. Wednesday Coming and up. Fridays moving yep.
1: forward. Mark it on your calendars. Yeah. Five AM releases. If you get up at five AM and you start listening, props to you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, because uh, I'm not up. <laughs> Dylan's not up. Every once in a while, I'll be up for uh, like five minutes to make sure that we posted. Right. But that's about it. Um, but anybody that's listening more, you know, props to you. Yeah. Thanks a lot, and uh, we appreciate it. Keep on listening, you know? Yes. We know you got nothing to we do on you guys. Wednesdays. You we got nothing love, to do yeah. on Wednesdays. Especially on. summer
1: break, too. Yeah. Get Gotta listening. It. Yeah.
0: But that wraps it up. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Mistake by the Take. We'll be back Wednesday. Signing out.